Hi, how's it going? This is the Creative Me podcast listening box. So yeah, um, you're going to hear a few snippets of interviews um, we had with interesting creative people based in Aberdeen um, over the past year. Um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy listening to these little snippets. Um, you can find the Creative Me podcast on Facebook and Instagram and also the website which is www.creativemepodcast.co.uk Yeah, so I hope you enjoy these little listens and um, remember you know it's all about spreading creativity in Aberdeen and supporting our local creatives so yeah enjoy and let me know what you think Welcome to the Create Me podcast. This is the first episode of the podcast. I sort of just thought, right, what can I do? And yeah. I sort of just went, right, I'm going to start my own skate program. Right. And I'm just going to, and I'm going to screen print the boards. And okay. I'm going to do this and that. Now, I did, made that decision without having any of the skills. <laughs> I couldn't screen print at that point. Okay. <laughs> I didn't, yeah. To be honest, I didn't even know at the time. I thought I knew at the yeah. time what it was. Yeah. Turns out I had no idea. Oh, okay. So, um... Yeah, and then I spent like probably a good seven months learning yeah. that. Right. Even like, you know, social media, yeah. you know, how important all that was going to be, yeah. the website, all mm-hmm. that kind of things. And and just thinking like, what is Doric Skateboards going to be? Yeah. And, it, and it, the idea was just um, to be influenced by the Northeast, mm-hmm. by Aberdeen, mm-hmm. the culture, the people, yeah. um, the architecture, everything about it. Yeah. Um, I'm born and bred here, yeah. and I've always been pretty kind of defensive, I suppose, okay. about the city. You know, yeah. I, to be honest, I've been one of the whinging people. <laughs> you know, nothing ever happens here. Yeah. I've been that guy, yeah. and um, and I, but not anymore. Okay, <laughs> but no, for those of us who doesn't who not know about the kind of process of actually kind of you know the screen print yeah, and stuff, like, yeah. just talk us through what your like, average day would look like when you're actually doing your work. Aye, so know. well, I mean the the. the the screens themselves mm. is the you know I find that quite a tricky thing to do. Yeah. Um. Normally you get your image, whatever your graphic is, mm. onto acetate. Okay. Um. And then I take that down to Peacock. Mm. Uh, and they're fantastic. Right. You, for like three pounds an hour, you can use all the equipment. Oh, okay, nice one. They'll shadow you and that sort right. of stuff. And um, I went there actually for a, a proper three-hour course. Yeah. But one of the lads, James, there, he taught me everything okay. of how to use it all. Yeah. And it's a process of using sort of um, an emulsion that mm. reacts to light. Okay. Um, you whack that emulsion on, put your acetate on, you expose it to light. Yeah. Your image then gets burned onto this screen. Right. I guess we touched on it a little bit, but I'm guessing the feedback from Dota Skateboards has been very positive so far. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's been like... I mean, hu- like humbling yeah. sur- and surprising, yeah. you know. Um, and so for those that are listening and they want to find Dora Skateboards, you know, um, where's the best kind of find? Yeah, you? I All mean, the, the links uh, and most, folk, most folk find me on Facebook, okay. easiest, and get yeah. a lot of communication through okay. there, but also Instagram, yeah. Twitter, yeah. Um, and the website. Okay. Um, all active all the time, to be yeah. honest. Um, there's never really a day goes by where yeah. I've got something posted by myself. Oh, okay. 
whether it's interesting or not. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you can find me there. Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Create Me podcast. Um, yeah, this is going to be an interesting one, I think, because um, the guest I have on today isn't actually a local. Um, <laughs> she's actually from Canada. Her name is Emily Utter. She's a Canadian prose writer based in Aberdeen. Much of her work focuses on family narrative, trauma and memory, and often features rural or remote communities in both Canada and Scotland. She has published flash fiction, short stories, novel extracts, and creative non-fiction in Scotland, Canada, and the United States. Emily is also a writer residence at Roxborough House in Aberdeen. She holds a PhD in creative writing from the University of Aberdeen and is an honorary fellow of the Word Centre for Creative Writing. So Aberdeen was kind of always on my radar. Um, you know, just those like kind of stories of like the great Scots of the family, okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> getting passed down generation yeah. to generation. So it was definitely a place I always wanted to visit. And it was just really fortunate that when I decided I was I was going to come to Scotland to do my master's, wherever that was going to be, that Aberdeen had a really good program. Okay. Like you got yourself really kind of well established in Aberdeen and one thing I was kind of curious about like for me I think like creativity it can be explored in various ways or how do you think like creative how did like writing for you become your creative outlet? Um, I guess it kind of started well when I was a kid because <laughs> I, I grew up on a farm, so my brother and I always talk about how we spent a lot of time alone, you know, okay. just out in the country, mm-hmm. um, and that kind of forced me to use my imagination to pass time, okay. um, and I also watched a lot of really weird movies when I was right. a kid, like um, Labyrinth and Never Ending Story yeah. and uh, Dark Crystal, yeah. um, just, you know, really visually stunning things like that that just fed my imagination in a lot of ways and so you did some journalism back in Canada as well while while you're studying yeah um I had an internship in my final year at the CBC just kind of like the Canadian version of the BBC um and I was actually on a scripted um kind of current events show so of all the things I could have done actually there was a lot of creative writing involved Mm -hmm. because everything was scripted which is a bit strange um and uh after that I did some community radio stuff um and I also wrote during my uh, undergrad for a music magazine so I was doing album reviews and um, interviewing bands and stuff like okay. that. Okay, yeah. cool. That sounds really interesting then, doesn't that? And cool. And then... Seems like a lifetime ago. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know there's one thing you said there about the kind of like, you know, um, how like, you know, for you growing up, like a bit lonely, but mm-hmm. you and your brother, but also kind of finding something like interesting in like those films, like The Dark Crystal and Lab, mm-hmm. you know, Labyrinth. And I think, yeah, they, these are very much familiar to me and my yeah. kind of like, you know, generation. I mean, I stuff, had right? I had night terrors until I yeah. was 10 and I'm sure it was partly, you know, watching those films yeah. and being far too young, but yeah. I love them still, so. Yeah, they are. Even though it was, it was most of the kind of films definitely had that involvement, like Jim Henson workshop, like the puppets and stuff. And if anyone hasn't, I'm sure the listeners probably would like heard of, you know, 
those kind of things. And that story was still, you know, one of the labyrinth ones. It's quite dark, like a baby being kidnapped. Yeah. And, but still there are moments of, like, childhood wonder yes. in there. So, like, you know, for you, like, you've obviously an established writer now. And what is your kind of writing process like? Where, how do you kind of find that place? Like, some people say being in the zone or being mm-hmm. in that workspace. What kind of works for you? Um, going back to being alone, really. Okay. Um, and I think that's why, um, you know, my first publications happened when I was over here. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you find this, but being away from home kind of gives you more perspective on home yeah. and gives you sort of a bigger appreciation for what is there being separate from it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the main things actually that I s- explored a little bit in my PhD and still explore in my novel is s- sort of odd like Canadian vernacular. And I think listening to the Doric here yeah. and seeing how um, different it is just within miles of each other yeah. um, kind of made me think, oh, what are the weird things that we say back home and how can that sort of add to the flavor of my writing? Yeah. Um, so that was one big thing. Um, but just also my novel is very much inspired by my family. And I think if I was there, I wouldn't be able to look at that also objectively to be able to write about it because you'd be immersed in it and you know, it would just be happening. So it's this Wedgwood. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I know you sent me some of our reds and it's really, really kind of like, you know, interesting. So I'm, I'm guessing like for you doing that research that was more based on your family was that on your mom's side or your father's side on my mom's side um very much inspired by my mom and her two sisters Mm -hmm. and um their relationships with their parents um and then also sort of my generation of kids as well and um, that idea of stories and memories being passed down generation to generation and also more inherent things, mm. behavior being passed down. Yeah, um, yeah. That was what really kick-started all of yeah. that for me. So <clears throat> I, I know a lot of people, you know, they struggle with a PhD, in particular struggle with a creative writing PhD because it's two very different types of writing yeah. that sort of butt up against each other. Um, but for me, it really worked. Okay. Um, yeah, I would do like three months of creative writing and then I'd kind of have to like, hang that hat up mm. and do three months of academic writing. Mm. So I did that for four years, but um, you know, the creative wouldn't have come to me if I hadn't also had that research yeah. in the background. Yeah, Emily, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having podcast. me. No, no worries. And I just wanted to find out like, where can listeners kind of find your work online and follow you on like, social media? Um, I do have a Twitter page. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's mkate underscore utter i'm not on it very often i should be better at it mm-hmm. um i also have an instagram account um it's same thing i'm kate utter so they can find me there cool um and i'm going to be uh doing some workshops actually at food story in okay. april um middle of april and beginning of may mm-hmm. open to beginners um and that'll be advertised on food stories page okay. and my own and there'll be an event bright invitation okay. as well all right great that's perfect so emily Utter, thank you for coming on create new podcast thanks for having me hello and welcome to the create me podcast this is episode 13 yeah so um on today's episode we have constantine 
He is a self-taught portrait and conceptual artist. Welcome to the show, Constantine. Thank you very much. Thank thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for reaching out, actually, and you know, messaging me and for coming on the podcast. It's really kind of great to connect with people, you know, in Aberdeen who are doing creative things and yeah. stuff. How did you first come about come to Aberdeen? Because obviously, like like myself, you're not originally from here. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, well, well, I'm from Greece originally, mm-hmm. and I came here in 2008 for studies. Uh, studied geology. Okay. Yeah, right. totally relevant. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that was the main reason I came up here for. And then I just I suppose I kind of stayed. Okay. Well, I started drawing when I was like very, very young. This is actually my first memory is just, mm-hmm. just drawing something, okay. you know, nothing good, just like, you know, doodling away. <laughs> yeah. That, that was about it. So I was doing, that's all I did for, for many years. Um, I kind of left it at some point, I suppose, and then I just picked it up again, and then I would just like pick it up, leave it, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing all the time. Um, <clears throat> I was just focusing on some different things, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, at some point I was like, th- "This is really what I wanted to do," you know. I just realized that, and then I was like, "Wait, well, why just waste my time with all this stuff?" You know, yeah. I mean, that's not really what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's one of my main passions. This one, music as well. So okay, yeah. all right, cool, and. So I guess, you know, you came to Aberdeen, like you said, like to study was it geology, geology yeah. and then that kind of, kind of fell to the side a bit. Yeah, yeah. It did. as I was saying, right, mm. so I did geology because, you know, there's this notion, I suppose, you know, you kind of have to do something with your life. Yeah. You know, all this kind of stuff. So <laughs> yeah. That's the reason I did it, to mm-hmm. be honest. Uh, but again, like I said, like eventually I was like, you know what, no, th- mm-hmm. that's not really what I'm going to do. So yeah. it's just a waste of time for me. So I, yeah. I, I'd rather just focus on my passion, right? Okay. And I'll make it happen, you know? Yeah, yeah. At least I try. You know? Okay, that, yeah. That, that was my, my point of view. Yeah, and how did that kind of go? How did you kind of take those first steps about kind of re-kind of connecting with that kind of passion in Aberdeen? What was kind of the first kind of steps you took to actually engaging with the creative community and also kind of getting yourself back into that kind of rhythm of being creative? Right, well, as far as the rhythm of being creative, I never really stopped because mm-hmm. I, was, I was doing a lot of music uh, in the meanwhile but I wasn't really drawing mm-hmm. as much um, but I was doing as well on the side I suppose but it, it was just like I, w- I couldn't really decide which one I like most yeah <laughs> you know so I can't, that can be tricky as well mm-hmm. and but I decided to just go for both of them whatever you know just pursue both of them yeah you know and see what, what happens very much mm-hmm. I guess from your own kind of work, I think, you know, reading up on um, on what you do mm-hmm. and what kind of you're passionate about, is like, you said, like, I think there's that thing about human connection yeah. for you and actually and, and personalities. Yeah. And, yeah, like, yeah. why the way, you know, why the way we are, like, you know, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, like, um, I suppose it has, it has to do with uh, body language, you know, <laughs> like you can tell a lot from, uh, yeah. you know, from someone's poster mm-hmm. you know and all those things and it's uh, again it's very fascinating to me or, or all the features and someone's face you yeah. know, wrinkles and all those kind of stuff you can tell a lot from there and i can't really help it i just uh it is what it is i just do it yeah it's you know i'm just fascinated by yeah. it so yeah so i get very inspired by that and, if you kind of like you know reflected on that more where do you think that kind of comes from because i know with me in an airport i'm a people watcher i like this watching right. and then kind of like you kind of it may sound really strange before we create a story for someone who I do not know right. and wonder what they're doing and what right, they're right. to do. I don't know where like you know where that that kind of interest for you comes from. Do you know like where that comes well, from? Well, I, I, I think it has 
to do a lot with uh well back home you know you see all the statues and everything in great so yeah. you know um quite like heroic figures mm. you know uh with a lot of history you know um you know you just admired for like i i can stand there for for like ever and i might that stuff okay. and also like the icons that you see in churches and stuff yeah um this whole you know type of art is just just fascinating you see it in in in, in the temples and everything. Mm -hmm. you know the, the whole thing in the inside it's like covered in those yeah. icons it's just amazing so. yeah where did, where did, like i think i saw something just briefly on your website like you know like you sell like your work obviously yeah and stuff like that and i saw some really kind of cool prints and like right like yeah, a, yeah, yeah. it's like like a long fleet mm -hmm. shirt and stuff. i was yeah. like oh, that's looking really cool i like seeing that when someone's got a creative outlet and kind of just giving it out to the masses uh -huh. and saying like, like this is what i'm passionate about and hey it checks yeah. out yeah yeah, yeah. And, and how's that kind of gone how have people been receptive towards like you know the online kind of pretty aspect? good yeah oh, i right. Again, well, because I don't necessarily like selling my actual artwork because okay. I do originals. Yeah. I don't really do prints. Yeah. I've done a couple. Yeah. Uh, but I do the originals, and especially with some of them, I really, I really connect. I don't really want to, you know, I, give them away yeah. that easily. <laughs> yeah. like, I'd rather just showcase them yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but I think it would be nice to just um, get them out, out of there on a different, uh, you know, medium, I suppose, you know, like a t shirt or. Yeah. You know, I, have, I have this. Um, uh, website on Redbubble, it's like the yeah, that's one I was yeah, yeah, like, online yeah. store thing. Yeah. So, I I don't have many designs on yet mm -hmm. or there because it takes a lot of work as well to to focus on that. And I guess yeah, if you if you were working full time as yeah, well, yeah, so <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's quite a lot oh, that yeah. I have to you know juggle. But yeah, yeah, oh, I'm cool. working on it as well. Uh, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Like yeah, I was, mm -hmm. I was kind of like on your Instagram page mm -hmm. as well before she came on the interview. And it's kind of like oh, like we like. You're working now that kind of like you know draws out these kind of because there is that kind of thing you're looking at these pictures and these characters and there's a story behind there mm -hmm. because obviously i'm not doing the work and you are <laughs> so like i'm very curious about what's the story behind this character yeah, this yeah. person so i think that's really good that from the starting point of how that kind of engaged me to kind of like you know mm -hmm. so i'm hoping that for like you know other people kind of you know yeah, yeah. having their own thoughts about that as well mm -hmm. and kind of giving you feedback and i don't know what's the feedback being like about you know your work but honestly, man, yeah. I, I really can't complain. Like, yeah. uh, there's a few people that recognize my, my work in town, mm -hmm. and they just tell me, you know, when they see yeah. me, they're like, oh, man, I love your stuff. You know, yeah. like, you know, well, how much I mean it or not, I don't know. <laughs> but still, it's a nice thing to hear, yeah. you know. But no, no, because people ask me for commissions as well, so I've done, oh, okay, I, cool. I've done some, some of that as well. Yeah. Um, Cool, and I guess like for the people that are listening, where can they kind of get in touch with you? Kind of on Instagram, like your Instagram uh, name and website stuff. Yeah, and... uh, well, on my email as well, mm -hmm. uh, which is on my Instagram. So I think Instagram yeah. is the most convenient, and I have a Facebook site as well. Yeah, uh, which is Constantine the Artist hmm. at Constantine the Artist. So you can message me there there as well. Okay, as well as my Instagram. All right, cool. Well, I definitely will look out for you know more of your stuff, Constantine. Awesome. And yeah. Thanks for coming on for no, that episode. No worries, man. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like you know, I think you know something kind of comes from this new project, and you want yeah. to come on and actually kind of promote it for the rest of the creative community and stuff. Course, Absolutely, yeah. definitely yeah. come on. That'd be good. I'll do whatever I'm invited. Alright, <laughs> cool. yeah, yeah. right, cheers, man. Well, that was episode 13 with Constantine the Artist. It was really great having him on, and we'll see you for episode well, episode 14. Alright, take care for now. That's bye for myself, Ayaka, and Constantine. <laughs>
No, that was right. just a. Uh, I had to make up a like a, a business. Oh, okay. A business page name, all right. so all right. I went for. I went for that. Alright. So, oh, okay. And, deal. Right. <laughs> so. and uh, do you prefer to go by the name, obviously, like, that's what, like, just the Honk or, or just I mean, Justin? Yeah, but... I mean, Honk has been, has been my nickname for, for years now. Okay. Like, uh, so, that's basically what a lot of people, right. a lot of my friends know me. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, uh, right. it's stuck, so. Yeah, alright, cool. Because um, I kind of first heard your name mentioned when I interviewed Gary last yeah. year november and right. that's like before you guys had your thing you released that joint collaboration so it's kind of interesting to actually now that we're here you know yeah. and i get to interview you and then we kind of kind of kept some kind of correspondence on like social media and stuff yeah. i kind of wanted to kind of touch base with you just like you know how did you actually get into illustration and what was those kind of early influences like for you and where did they come from well it was basically i um i used to do art at school which mm -hmm. was something that i really enjoyed did it when I was younger and done a higher in it but then I stopped just basically work okay and I stopped and I, I, I never had it I, I didn't pick up a pen or pencil for years mm. and it actually wasn't until working down in Ghana we went through a, a spell where we weren't going offshore mm -hmm. we were onshore and I wasn't really much to do right so uh, I came back one trip and I went to the one of the Brewdog AGMs mm. and it was uh, I think it was one of the one of the earlier ones and they had a uh, three guys doing a live mm. live drawing. Okay. At that time it was like it was a pack of like illustrators and designers. They were all called the Wild Wolves. Mm. And it was like uh, the people that was drawing was uh, Stalin ugly people okay and uh, a guy called uh, Stu Awesome mm -hmm. and uh, just seeing them doing that then oh, I think I'm going to start getting start, back into that yeah getting back into oh, it. I've got a lot of time in my hands <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. so I went and bought a pen and paper oh, yeah. and then just basically started from there okay you know? oh, yeah. and uh, a lot of the things started off because I worked offshore mm -hmm. and like some of my granddad and things they were fishermen mm. so a lot of my stuff to start with was uh was nautical okay it was a lot of sailors yeah which still is something yeah i've kind of there. seen some of that stuff and, yeah, uh, yeah like whales so it used right. to be just things like that yeah and then just progressed from there okay you know, all right i got into it more all like, right okay i'm gonna keep going with this yeah cool and like saying that you're from that you're like family like there's like the fishermen was that from like peterhead Fraserburgh way uh, no no oh, they, they were based okay they were based in aberdeen oh, okay like aberdeen itself used to have a big, big yeah a fishing big, industry uh, yeah fishing industry as yeah well, but it, uh, it slowly just depleted and depleted. stuff yeah and moved up to peterhead and Fraserburgh. okay yeah i think it's definitely like a kind of a interesting time in Aberdeen and definitely in a positive way yeah, yeah, that you know in terms of like creativity you know you see a lot of those signs like you know art is the new oil and you know it's kind of like it's nice to see that happening that you know um, people kind of realising that there's different things you can get people interested in coming to the city especially like for tourism Absolutely, yeah. as well you know I'm, I'm sure I know there'll be a lot of kind of cuts to a lot of positive things but I think whilst and I, I, I was kind of just thinking like I think the New York's got another two or three years of funding 
Something like, can you imagine what the city's gonna look like? Yeah, no, <laughs> you know, well, after that, that time, you know, just like they, they won't have anywhere else to. Yeah, pay, you know, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I mean, like I say, myself, I had a big interest in it last mm. year, but after doing like a tour and just just see how many people engaged with that, it was bigger. Yeah. Than what I I thought, you know, maybe a, a few people. A few people come, come yeah. here and there, but I was like. Hundreds of people, you know. It was, I yeah. think one of the tours was like, was like two hundred fifty people. We need to definitely see kind of more of that happening yeah. as well. I think you know, I think it kind of like people like yourself who are doing amazing and interesting things in Aberdeen. You're kind of part of that as well, like you know, because if like you know, you obviously you got that commissioned in like you know for in that in Tory, yeah. and then people more said, oh, you know. People are gonna start taking pictures and engaging with that as well, and thinking like, you know, oh, who's this person and stuff, you know, and that's. Yeah. It, I mean, to myself, doing these kind of things mm. it also tests me. I mm. I've never done, again, I've done the, the hophead thing. Yeah. I've done, like we did a, a walk a block, which was just mm. like a, art festival thing, just yeah. for for a night, and then the the sixty days north the street jam. Mm. These were all things that. It was taking me out of my comfort zone. It, mm-hmm. it was bigger things. So it was like, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do this. But it was like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm actually going to do this, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh, what am I going to do, you know. And I always, I go into these things mm. and I never really plan. Mm. Because I find if I start planning, I start thinking about it and then that's when uh, things go peak tongue, you know. Okay. <laughs> So I, I try. I try my hardest to just. I'm gonna go there. Yeah, and I'm just gonna just start. And, and I'm, I'm, gonna, gonna, I'm gonna, gonna look at what I've got to do. Yeah. What the canvas is, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna do it. Mm-hmm. So I would say that the Victoria art thing is the first time that I've. I've kind of planned. Mm-hmm. You know, I well, I had a tool plan. You know, I had yeah. the iPad. I did it, and I sketched out a few mm-hmm. things, and it's it's changed. But even to what I did there. Nothing's really changed in it apart from maybe colours. Okay. But, but no, it's this has been the first thing that I've right. I've planned. And you think that's kind of like an integral thing for any kind of creative to actually take yourself out of the comfort zone, push yourself to a oh, different direction, sure. and for like sure. kind of put that kind of almost like that applied pressure, but also there's a bit of control that pressure a bit, you know. Yeah. So you're not kind of putting yourself in an overwhelming kind of situation that you can be like, oh well, I'm just gonna shut down, not get in, do this. So it's definitely kind of important what I'm getting from you is that, yeah, I have to kind of take myself out of the comfort zone and try something different. Uh, absolutely. You know, yeah. it's, you're never going to know mm-hmm. your capabilities yeah. until you do it. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's one of these things. Mm-hmm. But again, with, with this here, I know it's a big thing, mm-hmm. but once you start doing it, that's when you start realising, okay, this is it's big. You need the, the canvases I'm doing just... And the whole people have, have asked you to do this, you yeah. know, and then it starts dawning, and you you've got to do this. Yeah. <laughs> you've got to do it right. Where can people like who uh, in the, like in Aberdeen and beyond? Where can they follow you like online and stuff? Well, I'm on I'm on Instagram. Yeah, that's uh, at Honk Seventy Nine mm. and uh, Honky Mon. Right. I tend to it's it's more art. Yeah. For for art purposes, I don't mm-hmm. do anything else on. Yeah. That. Uh, and my uh, Justin Laurie on, right. on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs>
Hello and welcome to the Great Me Podcast. This is episode 21 and I'm back at the Anatomy Rooms um, again and this time I'm with Lucia. Lucia? Yeah, Lucia. Lu- Lucia. Yeah. Um, and she's the creator of Prolong Scotland. Hi, welcome to the show. Hi. Hey. Um, yeah, I I was kind of looking at some of your stuff online and it's really kind of interesting and I think for the listeners that you could tell them a little bit about Prolong Scotland and what it's all about. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's mainly about upcycling the unwanted garments into like um, accessories, like all sorts, like tote bags, I do backpacks as well, I started build bags as well, and it's just to make people aware that, you know, you can have like sustainable options as well if you are gonna go shopping for like bags, because a lot of things that you can buy these days are like, you know, um, made yeah. in like a um, poor quality yeah. but also the water usage is like so high and people don't know about that so I just try to do it in the way that is a little bit more sustainable okay yeah. cool yeah that's kind of one thing I want to kind of ask you as well like have you had the opportunity to kind of do some kind of like market fairs and stuff in Aberdeen so far have you done any like stalls and anything uh, I've done only one okay um, but I said no to that first because I, I was not sure like if I I don't know I just felt like it's a little bit too exposed and I don't know what people will think about and stuff yeah. I did the hand market oh, last oh yeah year. the Christmas kind of stuff yeah, yeah, yeah and I did it on 23rd of December right. so it was mental um, but it was really cool like mainly why I'm I was not so much up for the market is because I'm to be honest like I don't really like the way how it's presented you mm-hmm. know like a lot of times they don't really put like much effort into like making it as a whole to look amazing mm-hmm. and like sellable yeah. but Han was really good because mm-hmm. I don't know if you've been to it but like yeah, all the tables it, yeah. were like designed in like such a cool way it's got like a layout yeah where you know if it would be just like a normal like table table with like white shit through like that would look so shit and it really had to sell you know so and kind of have like slightly like bigger kind of demand on like how things so you could work with what they kind of gave you as like in tables and stuff like that so you could present your work really well yeah yeah. and i also um i i just feel like it's like something new and like i i wanted to be part of it but i said no first to it and then they were like but are you sure i was like well okay i'll do it yeah and that was great like i I got, you know, I sold pretty much everything. I got like three bags left at the end and it was like super overwhelming, but in like a good way because I never really got to see like what people really thought about it. But like their faces when they, because I had like a big sign which was saying like clothes turned into bags and they were like, oh my God. Like, it was, was it kind of a bit of people kind of saying like, is that really clothes out of bags? You know, because I guess like when I've looked at your work online, it's really... It's like a nice kind of like professional sharp kind of finish to it as mm-hmm. well. You know, I know you said before like you know like um, when you was doing like upcycled clothes and you didn't like the kind of how it was end result. I'm guessing you're really happy now with the work that you're producing and it's going yeah. what you're putting out there. Yeah, well, I I kind of got a little bit more like um, feedback. Mm-hmm. So and also I because I studied fashion design, you know, like I do have like quite like high demand or like how things are made yeah. and also like of like the pictures yeah. of Instagram and all that because I did um, 
visual merchandising. Okay. Um, when I was working at the shop, where actually I learned so much more about you know like how to actually sell your thing, mm -hmm. which kind of sounds like very court and businessy, mm -hmm. but that's something that you never really taught when you when you're at the art uni mm -hmm. or college. They actually never really tells you like how to sell your thing. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like I'm sorry, I don't know if I answered the question. Oh no, no, no. I think like no, no, it's fine. I think you definitely did. Um, I've, I guess there's one thing as well that like, you just mentioned about like when you're kind of like studying fashion design stuff, no one teaches you on that business end about how to kind of like you know display your products and stuff like that. And I think you obviously looking online, looking at your stuff, you definitely use social media yeah. to you know to meet your own needs and because everything's kind of presented really well. So I guess that's kind of a reflective of obviously like you know yeah, what you're kind of um, doing. I think that you know working at the retail again mm -hmm. is like one of the the best places where I could be at that time mm -hmm. because you know when you when you are just studying the fashion design you don't really come in within like contact with your customers yeah. and like really see like why they buy mm -hmm. and like what for and like what their needs because I mean I've been in retail for over maybe like four years I kind of learned like like why like you know that psychology behind like why people buy into mm -hmm. like certain things so I I can kind of you know like understand a little bit better and I try to kind of use that knowledge in you know what I'm doing mm -hmm. but obviously it's like slightly different from what the retail does because retailers try to sell you the lifestyle mm -hmm. which is so fake <laughs> and like it's really about only the profit yeah because i don't know if you know about this but I'll, pretty much every single shop these days have got this um um thing at the front uh, door that is counting how many people comes in yeah 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 and then from that, it, you know, every sale assistant has got like, um, like personal targets mm. per week, yeah. like how much stuff they need to sell, and if you don't sell, then you get into trouble and shit <laughs> like that. So that's why I kind of quit because I just hated it so much yeah. at the end, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, it's just um, like they have such a good knowledge about how to sell things, mm -hmm. but they don't use it in like a, a better way where yeah, they can yeah. sell not just the product yeah. itself but like some kind of value mm -hmm. you know um yeah i think that the, the value is not there you know it's yeah just about i think the, yeah the i think that's absolutely right i think most kind of retail outlets with clothes or fashion or anything there is that kind of bit of actually selling an idea it's kind of like the soul's kind of taken away from it a bit, you know. Yeah, and yeah. I do every time I do go to like a shop, I do like it's really strange. I do have that kind of feeling sorry for like sales assistants because I know like I've worked in retail and be like, yeah, I know you have to kind of make these sales and stuff. Yeah. It's a shame that you know it has to be that way, but obviously people like yourself who've got a kind of polar opposite view, you know, you're saying no, I want to engage with the customer and see actually why they want to buy this product and what they're getting from it. Yeah, yeah, no, but um. Thank you, Lucia. I said it right this time, didn't yeah, I? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you for coming on the podcast. I really enjoyed that chat. And um, yeah, where so where can people um, find you and find all like um, Prodon Scotland and follow you on online and social media and stuff? Yeah. So well, Instagram definitely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm there as a Prodon Scotland, mm -hmm. and then in my bio there is a link to the website, mm -hmm. and also I'm on uh, Facebook as okay, well. Okay. Cool. 
Um, so yeah, these three, um, and also there is an email address. Like if anyone yeah. needs to, like you know, if they want to have like a custom item, like they can totally email me as well. Alright, cool. No, but I look forward to seeing you know what the future holds for yourself, and you know, see you know the business prolong Scotland. I think you're doing a really special and important thing in Aberdeen. So no, keep up the good work. Thank you so much, man. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me as no, well. Why? No worries. No, it's good chat. Good chat. Yeah. So that was episode 21 of the Create Me podcast, and I'll catch up with you guys soon. So take care for now. Bye. Hello and welcome to the Cape Me Podcast with your host Ike Headlam. Yeah, um, got a little special one actually from recording from Aberdeen College, which is an old kind of haunt for myself. <laughs> Circa 2007, I think. No, 2000. Yeah, 2007. I think. Just if you could kind of let them know, where did your kind of creative path, or where did where did that interest of photography come from? It started early. It started mm. um, as early as school. So I think I worked out in about 29 years of involvement in photography but yeah it, it comes from school okay um, you know i schooled in aberdeen in terms mm-hmm. of like kate brewster primary school yeah. aberdeen grammar and then in fifth year of school so it's at age 17 going into the last year of school going into sixth year there were choices to be made i'd done mm-hmm. my art and i got the chance of carrying on the sixth year and it was either do six year studies yeah but my art teacher put me in touch with photography a simple course it was an introduction to photography mm. so it was kind of an excuse to learn how to process film and walk around town doing very little okay and uh, and you know there was a, it was great there was yeah no, there was kind of no teaching beyond we'll show you how to process film and, right. and then you can do your own thing so there was no kind of formal training mm-hmm. but i started photography back then and i suppose as a young kid not really knowing what to do or what pathway to take or never really having a plan you kind of follow where your interests lie yeah and I was encouraged by 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 my folks you know to kind of say well look you like photography why don't you continue to do that you know oh that's really cool you know because I guess what what kind of year was this then this happening but what's that 80 when would that be 80 Nine, eight, okay. Eight, eight, nine. Right. And I'm like, I was, I was kind of wanted to kind of speak to you about this because I was just thinking about some questions to ask or something like our kind of response to the world and things that are it's all, all, all on that visual kind yeah. of level, isn't it? Like, just like anything you see, like, oh, like, you know, the whole stuff of like, you know, unarmed people getting shot in America or like the stuff in Syria or like, you know, just everything's on a visual kind of documentation. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, yeah. I think. The thing that inspired me, mm. looking looking back at it, I I think I mentioned very briefly yeah. when I, I started photography in Aberdeen, there was no teaching beyond teaching the practicalities of developing film and print. Right. So there was no awareness of who photographers were, what was kind of seminal work mm. in terms of the history of photography. So it was fine, you, you had the practice of you could go and take pictures. Um, in moving to Liverpool, we had two great tutors, uh, and Alan McCarran and David Brooks. And Alan, I think, introduced me to the work of Mary Ellen Mark. Mm. And I saw work that she did uh, called What the English Are Doing About Heroin, which she mm. shot in 1971 for, I think, Luke magazine. And it was the first time I'd actually connected with photography in respect of a kind of historical figure, a kind of professional photographer. You mm. know, you started your, almost like your study of photography. Yeah. 
where I saw work that actually absolutely related to um, me at yeah. that age. He photographed kids uh, in and around mm -hmm. a kind of change of um, law around the sort of prescription of mm -hmm. heroin through clinics in England. Uh, but the kids looked like my mates. They looked like me. Um, and it was the first time photography really engaged. And you wanted more of it. Yeah. You know, so from finding that work and looking and, and, and being absolutely intrigued and having a kinship to the work, uh, you then looked to other work that she did and then you found other practitioners that had been working, Larry Clark and a few others that, that really started my photographic journey and started a kind of social engagement with it. Yeah. Um, and that's where I suppose formal training and teaching um, was really important because mm -hmm. you could be guided in a direction that meant something to you. Yeah. Social media, you, you touched on, well, I think, can that do that? Mm. You know, that puts the reference point to guide you in the right direction to yeah. look at things and, and find something that relates to you. Yeah, because I was thinking like... Because um, we've got this kind of oversaturation of visual information. Yeah, absolutely. How, how do you siphon out what's relevant? Yeah, because even, even I'm probably guilty of this is actually the visual coordinate of the banal and mun mundane. Yeah. It seems to be very popular now. I think especially from like that kind of, like the social media, like the Instagram stuff, you know, especially coming from America, like the kind of, the following of celebrities and what that actually is in fame and stuff, or just kind of like seeking attention and what kind of aim, or what kind of end is that catching meeting? You know, unless you kind of like, you know. It causes a lot of social anxiety. In yeah, in, yeah. In our, in our youth. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it puts a lot of pressure. And I think over the last number of years, certainly within my, my role within the, the college, you've mm -hmm. seen a lot of kids really struggle with um, identity, yeah. issues of kind of self, kind of presentation or yeah. presentation of self. Um, so I, I don't necessarily think it's a positive thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, social media is great, and yeah. I, en I engage with it. Yeah. There's a lot of positives, but technology and social media, I think, uh, in terms of, if you say celebrity or looking at um, presentation of self, looking at aspiration, mm. I think it's got a lot, a lot of um, questions to answer in terms yeah. of the negative impact on youth. So when I first moved to London, within the first week, I just I, f I just phoned to see if I could get work. Yeah. And I got work within a week in the Aye. studios. Aye. Um, you know, I Click Studios was a, I think it was an 11 or 12 studio complex. Um, and <laughs> I had Yanis, a Greek manager, mm. uh, called me in for an interview. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, when I arrived and I met another assistant, Phil Balsh, I was told, or he had told a member of the staff, show Steve and Phil around the studios mm. and when you're finished, get them to paint NS3, which is one of the studios. So I was there and the only pair of kind of trousers and shirt that I had for an interview <laughs> and by the end of the day, I was covered in paint. <laughs> I went back to, to my ex-partner and she mm. said, well, how'd you get on? I said, well, they've asked me to come back tomorrow. I think I've got a job. Right. So again, I, you know, I don't know how much of that is uh, a reflection of <laughs> the kind of communication skills and all the kind of positive traits you try and encourage students to develop yeah or whether it was just opportunity happened to be yeah um in front of me at the right place at the right mm. time and how a mix of both i'm sure how long was you there at that studio for i was at click for um probably about a year and a half oh. um and that was exciting yeah. you know within that environment um i could rattle off names and lists of um 
recognisable celebrities, famous people, actors, actresses. Yeah. Within that 11 studio complex, you could have um, someone in one of the studios photograph an ice cream. But mm. you, in, in fact, if I think the real scenario is you could have Lennox Lewis in one studio, yeah. Gloria Honeyford in another, <laughs> um, somebody photograph an ice cream in another. You could have Jurgen Teller photographing mm. fashion upstairs. Um, so within that, you know, Elaine Constantine photographing Bewitched, the Irish band. Oh, yeah, I remember them, yeah, um, yeah. And you look back, it's great. I remember, uh, in Elaine's case, um, I remember trying to get four Vespa scooters on their back end up in a lift up to NS4, right. the sort of third floor. Um, Gary Oldman, I asked for the part of his next film, which yeah. I then bottled and ran away. And, um, <laughs> what film was that? You know what I did? I, right. He was getting photographed in one of the studios, yeah. and all day the door had been open, and you're kind of, that's Gary Oldman. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. like, you know what? He's, he's there, proper hard, kind of gnarly, yeah. um, serious face. Mm. And it was intriguing. And then at the end of the day, I don't know what. Um, <laughs> motivated me but at the end of the day when he left I ran down the stairs yeah. as they were in the lift and I collared him at the front door at Northworth Street right. and uh, and walked up and said excuse me um, I'd like to be in your next film <laughs> <laughs> and he stood and stared me out for a bit yeah. probably what was probably about 20 seconds right. it seemed like about 2 or 3 minutes Yeah. and I'm guessing you've never had Gary Oldman staying at you for about 30 seconds, which seemed like two minutes. And I, intense, I, yeah. I, I bottled it and said, right. you know what, it's great, actually, just you know, all the best. Yeah. I still to this day kind of wish that I'd maybe stared him out. Yeah, yeah. Um, given the chance, but no, there was loads of things like that. And you met, um, you were just surrounded by um, an exciting uh, world that... Uh, you felt part of an exciting world that you would only normally associate in and around watching TV. Or picking up a magazine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you were part of that. Right. No, the company itself was uh, a nightmare in right. terms of they robbed Peter to pay Paul. Right. Um, but maybe that was part of the kind of uh, obscure charm of it. Yeah. You know, you'd have to run into one studio to ask to borrow tape mm. so that you could provide it to another studio. Right. You were kind of. You know, you were firefighting. Yeah. Um, is that studio still around now, was it? No, oh, okay. no, not right. at all. Right. I think when Corsham Studio, which was part of it, I think mm. it features within Boy George's autobiography. Right. Probably for all the wrong reasons because of the characters involved. <laughs> right. um, but I got the opportunity to um, work in a different studio, which was a, a single kind of youth studio. Yeah. Um, Perseverance Works, which still exists today and is mm. managed by JJ Locations. One of Click Studios um, studios was above a singular studio owned by a photographer, Chris Dawes, right. and managed by another photographer, Robert Holmes. Um, but it was just a one studio complex, and it was slick. Yeah. Everything worked like clockwork. They had yeah. petty cash, they had taxi accounts, they had stock of everything you needed, mm. and um, the assistant Timo was leaving. And Robert approached me, knew me from working upstairs, and said, look, do you want to take on this job? And it made perfect sense. Yeah. You know, you've worked with a, a well-managed company. Yeah. But also, you would be the face of that studio, right? So anyone coming in the door knew you. You'd get to know uh, the assistants mm -hmm. of the photographers. You'd get to know the photographers. And I guess the progression, that kind of linear progression, as you would work in studios, you yeah. would then look for assisting work. And then from assisting work, you would then try and become a photographer. Right. So 
move into the co-working studio, you were kind of front of house. Yeah, okay. Um, from <coughs> that opportunity, and you know, you know, that was a major kind of player in my progression. Right. Not only did you learn from Chris Dawes and Robert Holmes, um, and Robert, I'm still in touch with from time to time, but you learn from the photographers coming in. Yeah. We saw Bruce Weber coming in. We saw Horst Dye, Chris, uh, Anthony Edwin. There was a real mix of characters yeah. coming in. But you were decanting the equipment from cases, you were setting stuff up, you were asked to assist at times, you were yeah. building canvases, you were mm -hmm. painting things, you were... And through that opportunity I met uh, David Sims, which was a major kind of uh, progression and change in, in the, my pathway, photographic pathway. Okay. It's wicked about you kind of Me coming, coming, back. Back, up, coming yeah. back up home, yeah. Um, yeah. I was still working prior to, um, I suppose, leaving London. I yeah. before. Before I moved back, I'd, I'd shot um, advertising for Austin Reed, mm -hmm. the Red Campaign. I think yeah. it was about a, a week before I moved back. Yeah. Um, and it was moved back, like I said, based primarily on on reasons of family, either mm -hmm. keeping the family together or being closer to family up here. Um, and I, I don't regret it by any means, you know what I mean? I actually find myself in a really fortunate position that. I enjoy what I do. Yeah. I'm very lucky. I yeah. teach photography. I'm still amongst uh, the industry that mm -hmm. I belong to uh, in a professional capacity. Yeah. And that I started um, as many years as about 29 years ago in Aberdeen. Yeah. Um, I have a love for the city. Yeah. Um, it's been good to me. Mm. And if we think of that uh, journey in and I think back to, to, well, if you'd asked the kid at Kitty Brewster, or if you'd asked the kid at Aberdeen Grammar, that, you know, would he have been happy with the outcome, firstly, of achieving a full-time job, mm. decent salary, good holidays, and such like, within photography? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. If you add on top of that, well, in the meantime, we'll send you to New York, Morocco, Paris, you'll meet actors, actresses, mm -hmm. um, and more not because of their fame in terms of actors and stuff, but I suppose meet interesting people yeah. uh, and other creatives. Yeah. Will you have uh, the dear friends that you've got in, in Jay Clark and Ben Newton and John Gregson mm -hmm. and Stevie Pennells and other creatives that you had the good fortune to meet in Cheltenham um, and enjoy the time with the, the characters that I met in Liverpool? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, you know, yeah. add that to the mix on top of the fact I'm still working in photography mm. um, and also enjoying the, the role that I play here with yeah. the college. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Enjoy the teacher role. Yeah. Um, Thanks for coming on my the pleasure. podcast. I really enjoyed that, that chat. Great. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think you're the first episode we had a toilet break. All in respect to my activity last night, alcohol consumption. So, yeah, thank you for. And, and congratulations on what you're doing. Oh no, cheers, thank you. Thank you, I, much appreciated, man. I just like the fact, you know, it's my job to teach yeah. within the environment here. It's yeah. my job to try and encourage and get um, people in, embraced in the creative industries. Yeah. And you're a fine example of somebody that's trying to big up yeah, the team. Yeah, oh uh, yeah. <laughs>